Welcome back to Bad in Bed, the queer sex education podcast where Bobby and I talk about all things sex, sexuality, pleasure, and sometimes pain. You know, that's my idea of equality is everyone gets a dick in their ass if they want it. Before we dive into the nitty gritty of strap on sex, I think we should start by talking about the nitty and address what strap on sex even is. Gabby, can you please let me know because I'm coming in with next to no knowledge about it. I mean, the only harnesses I know are the harnesses I wear on my chest at jockstrap night at the Eagle. So just tell us more about like what strap on sex is and how it feels for the giver, the receiver, you know, give us all the deeds. So typically when people think about strap-on sex, they either think about it in terms of dildo in butt sex or pegging, as it's sometimes called, or dildo in vagina sex. But strap-on sex can be so much more expansive than just a dildo going in a downstairs hole. Strap-on sex can also include hand jobs on a dildo, my personal favorite, blow jobs on a dildo, Mutual masturbation with two dildos. Strap-on sex can be used to allow folks to have DP or double penetration or DVP, which stands for double vaginal penetration, and so, so much more. So what I love about strap-on sex is just how freaking expansive it is as a category. Like I said, not much experience. So I want to know, when you are wearing a strap-on dildo, what what's in it for the giver, the person who's wearing it exactly? So first, what I like to say to folks is don't underestimate how pleasurable it can be to pleasure your partner. Just like with other sex acts, like for example, anal fingering or vaginal fingering. Like, sure, that feels good on your fingers, but your genitals aren't necessarily getting simultaneously stimulated. And yet there's something so hot knowing how much pleasure you're bringing your partner, even if giving your partner strap-on sex or being the penetrator during strap-on sex isn't physically sensational. It can be mentally and emotionally stimulating to watch your partner receive pleasure at your cock. Other than the like the more mental idea or prospect of it, is there something physical that the wearer can get? Like, is there certain toys that can vibrate while you're doing it or anything like that? Ah, uh, Bobby, such a good question. So it depends on a few things, including the shape and angle of your genitals okay. and also where you're wearing the dildo. So you talked about having a chest harness before. So those mm-hmm. do actually exist in addition to sort of harnesses that go over your junk, like say underwear would. There are also right. harnesses that can be worn over your mouth on your hand, Uh. on your boots, on your thigh. So ultimately, it's going to depend on where you wear your harness. And the dildo, the base of the dildo, can press against the penetrator's pubic mound or can even press against their clitoris, their labia, or the perineum, depending on perineum. Did I say that right? Perineum. (laughs) On the other hand, there are lots of toys that can be worn with strap-ons to increase the sensation even more. So sometimes somebody who's wearing a strap-on might decide to wear a butt plug while they're strapped on. I like that idea. Yeah. (laughs) What's neat about that is that every time you're thrusting, you're using your pelvic floor muscles, which then 
clench around the butt plug, which can make the sensation of wearing a butt plug feel more active and interactive than sometimes wearing a butt plug feels when it's just like in there and hanging out. I totally know what you mean. When I top, I usually like to have a butt plug in because you're kind of getting both, you know, it's like you're both getting anal Mm -hmm. stimulation and okay, maybe too much information, but I almost always require a little anal stimulation to climax. Mm -hmm. So it's like when, if I'm topping, there's going to be something in my ass. I'm sorry. Yeah. So that's why a lot of people during strap on play like to do the same. There's also vaginal plugs, which is the same idea as a butt Mm -hmm. plug, but it holds up your vagina, just giving your vaginal muscles something to squeeze onto. That's a great idea to pair with a strap on. Yeah, exactly. There's bullet vibrators that can go inside of the harness to add vibration to both the wearer of the harness. And actually, because most dildos are made out of silicone and silicone transmits vibration really well, that vibration can then go on to stimulate the person who is receiving the store-bought cock. Yes. So like the vibration transfers through the toy and into Mm -hmm, the partner, mm -hmm, correct? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so now that we know how it feels good for the wearer, can you describe how it would feel good for the person receiving the strap-on? Like, are there any complexities to it that people might not know aside from the obvious? Sure. So to start with the obvious, the sensation of something going in and out of your vagina or anus can feel really good. For some people, that feels good because the sensation of fullness internally is sensational. For other people, the sensation of a dildo moving in and moving out feels good because the dildo is actually hitting an internal hotspot of nerves. So that could be the prostate, the G-zone, the A-spot, or the cervix. For some people, the cervix is actually full of nerve endings that when it's hit by the tail end of a really long dildo is orgasmic. So beyond that, though, there are sort of the psychological benefits or potential benefits of wearing a strap-on. For some people, the act of receiving a strap-on is affirming to their sexuality or to their gender. And for some people, it can be used to fulfill another fantasy. Maybe being penetrated by an octopus tentacle dildo allows you to live out the fantasy of being, quote unquote, held hostage by an octopus. Maybe it allows you to feel dominated in a way that maybe you haven't been able to explore without the dildo or strap-on. So there's so many reasons mentally, emotionally, physically that strap-on play can feel good. You could kind of customize exactly what you're working with with a strap-on. So like you're like Inspector Gadget, like go-go gadget dildo. You know, like (laughs) say, you know, I've been with a few sexual partners who maybe have been a little too large and it's not working. You could use a strap on of something smaller, you know, Mm -hmm. you could both get your rocks off that way. So I think that that's a really good point to throw in as well. Instead of being so gendered with it, you can, anybody can use a strap on, right? Exactly. Exactly. And it's not just that there's so many different types of harnesses as we've talked on. There's so many types, sizes, shapes, colors of dildos as well. So to your point, can customize that experience. Yeah. So I guess um, another thing I'm curious about is, Since everybody is kind of built differently, uh, are there different types of harnesses someone can wear or are they all generally like the same model? So in terms of harnesses that you can wear in the genital region, they're typically categorized into two separate categories. One is strap style, which kind of look like jock straps. Mm -hmm. And then two is underwear style, which look basically like any old underwear that you might see, be it boxers, briefs, boy shorts... And here's the difference between the two. 
Strap style are more adjustable. Typically, they have, as the name implies, straps. And because they're secured tighter to the body, you'll typically have more leverage when thrusting with a strap style harness and dildo than you would with an underwear style, which just due to the make of it isn't going to be as secure to your body. So the way I like to think about it is when you strap on, you want to feel like you're the one controlling the dildo as opposed to the dildo controlling you. Strap style harnesses allow for that in a way that underwear style harnesses don't. Makes sense. Strap style harnesses also typically have straps that go into your butt and kind of give you like a little butt lift, which in my opinion makes my ass look phenomenal. Love that. Something else that we haven't talked about is that harnesses can be worn by people with penises and typically harnesses that are designed for people with penises are strap style. So just worth mentioning another perk of strap style is that they tend to be better suited and size for people of all body types. Tell me more about this underwear harness. I'm curious. In terms of underwear style, the benefit of underwear style is they look like underwear. So for folks who want to have more of their genitals covered during a sexual encounter, an underwear style harness is going to be best. Okay, that makes sense. Um, In terms of fit, what are you kind of looking for? Do you want it to be snug or do you want it to be a little loose? Like, what is the ideal fit here? You definitely want it to be snug. I say you want to be able to fit no more than two fingers between the waistband on your waist and the leg bands that go around your thighs. Okay. In terms of your personal experience with strap-ons, what do you tend to love about them? Like, what do you get out of strap-on sex, Gabby? Bobby, I just love (laughs) strap-ons. I love it so much. I love strap-on sex for a few reasons. So I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I have a really tight pelvic floor. So when I strap on, I'm able to have sex that feels good without having to deal with penetration. So for me, the sensation of a dildo grinding up against my pubic bone is enough to make me, in some instances, actually have an orgasm. Okay. Beyond that, nothing makes me feel as much like my dyke self as strapping on. There's something that really connects it to sort of my queer roots, my queer history, my queer identity in a way that's really sensational for me. Right. So it's it's good. It's a lot more psychological, too, in, in addition to the physical aspect. Of yeah, it. yeah. Um, actually, my favorite strap-on sex act is having somebody give me a blowjob on my dildo. There are literally dildos called BJ dildos that have a little hole in the tip. Oh. When the sucker, the oral sex performer, sucks on the head of the dildo, I can feel the sensation in my genitals, in my clit, as they're doing that. Okay, I love that. I didn't even know that existed. Sex technology is wild. (laughs) Wait, so I know that you haven't had strap-on sex. Have you ever used a dildo out of a harness? Oh, yeah. Okay, so one of my favorite things to do is I've got one toy that I can't, I can't say enough good things about, and I've probably said it on this podcast, and I will probably say it many more times, but the Loki Wave by Lilo, mm. I uh, I sanitize it, and then I use it on my sexual partners and just wash them. Mm. It's Honestly, I sometimes prefer using a toy as opposed to my own body because, like you said, I get genuine pleasure out of seeing other people get pleasure. So it's mm-hmm. absolutely like if, you know, they're not if they're not getting off for any particular reason – I'll try a sex toy to be like, does this feel good? Like, you know, we don't need to reach climax, but if you would like to, let me, please let me use this toy. I love it. Wait, so Bobby, can I give you my top strap-on tips? So if you ever want to have strap-on sex, they're like top of mind. Please do. Okay, so first you'll have the option of buying a strap-on kit, which includes the the strap-on harness and the dildo, or you can buy the two separately. 
For people who are new to strap-on sex, I recommend buying a kit. And the reason is that one, it's easier. And two, typically you'll save somewhere between like $100 and $300 compared to if you buy the dildo and harness separately, it's going to cost you more money. Right. So I guess that's something that I think maybe our listeners would like to know a little bit more about. Are the costs associated? Like how much are you looking to be spending if you're going to be buying a dildo strap-on combo? For a combo, you can typically get them for somewhere between $60 and $85. Okay. When you buy them separately, it's going to depend on the material of the harness and also the material of the dildo, but it can cost you almost three times as much because a good harness can cost you anywhere from $100 to $200, and a good dildo can cost you anywhere from like $75 to up to $200. So my, my recommendation is, Start with a pretty basic beginner strap-on kit. Use your experience with that strap-on kit to learn what it is that you like in a harness and what you like in a dildo. And then use that information, say, a month from now or two months from now to buy a harness that you're going to love and buy a dildo that you're going to love as opposed to just kind of throwing money at a sex toy shop and crossing your fingers that it's going to work out for you. There's somebody even more qualified than me for giving advice for buying your first strap-on, and that is Sarah Dysack, and she's here with us today. Sarah Dysack is a queer sex educator, the owner of Early to Bed, a sex shop based in Chicago, which ships worldwide and the founder of FTM Essentials, a separate website which sells things like packing gear, STBs, binders, and more. Sarah, we're so happy to have you on the podcast. Thanks, I'm so Welcome. Thank you, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. I love talking about this stuff. Amazing. So today we are going to be talking about all things strap-on play. So admittedly, this is an area I'm not very familiar with, so I'm really looking forward to learning. So uh, if, if, you, if I may, Gabby, can I ask the first question? Please. So um, Gabby talks a lot about why someone with a vagina might want to wear uh, and receive a strap-on, but as someone who has no experience with a strap-on, I'd love to know why someone with a penis might want to wear or receive it. I will say that if uh, two penises together are probably the least likely to be using strap-ons because there's usually at least one in the room that's doing what it's supposed to be doing. But uh, folks who have penises, as they get older, they might find that their penis doesn't quite respond or function in the way that they are used to or they want it to. So we see older gentlemen using strap-ons for strap-on play with their partners. We also see men, who people who have penises, who partner right. with people who have vaginas and vulvas be on the receiving end of strap-on play. So... We sometimes refer to that as pegging or bend over boyfriend. Um, and especially more and more, I think, in the last, you know, 10 years that has really kind of taken off as a more acceptable kind of play for people kind of across genders. Um, so it kind of depends on what's going on with your body and who you're playing with and what you're looking for. I would say for the most part, if you have a penis that functions the way you want it to and you're playing with someone else with that, you're probably not going to need to bring in a strap on. But there's always the possibility of bringing on something that's bigger or something that's more extravagant in its shape and design. So if you wanted to play with fantasy, it could be a way to, instead of having a human looking penis to have some tentacle action, if you wanted to 
try something that was of a size that was not something that was in the room already, smaller or bigger. Um, So there are some ways to use it as far as like just changing up what parts you're using and where you're putting them. So, so can you speak to the types of different styles somebody with a penis might want to wear? You know, are there ones that have hollowed out dildos that kind of fit over the phallus? How does that work? So that is something that was never really thought of as a strap-on. It's often in a very separate place from a strap-on because it's sort of seen and, and marketed more as a like erection enhancement or erection device, right? So it's more about maintaining this normative kind of sex. And those tend to be, on all honesty, horrible. The materials they're made out of are terrible. And the ones that are made of silicone, there's often a sharp edge or there's something about it that I don't have a penis, so I don't really know how to fit it on my body, but I know what feels good pressed up against skin. They seem to be really lacking. But we believe in creativity. And so there are harnesses that fit bodies that have penises that the penis doesn't go in the dildo, but the penis sits below it. Right. So looking for a harness that is more strap based. So something that would have a ring um, so that you can adjust the way that's sitting on your body so that Mm. the harness is like sitting on your pelvis right above your penis. Then too, you have the option of your penis being involved in the action and getting stimulation. So if your penis is inside a silicone or non-silicone tube that's acting as the dildo, your penis isn't getting a lot of sensation. And so your action is more about what your partner's receiving, which is fine and great and giving is wonderful. But if you want to Mm. maybe have someone play with your penis while you're, you know, putting a dildo inside of them, having your penis free for some action is also a really kind of fun idea, I think. You know, adding more ways to increase sensation. I think we have this idea that if a penis isn't hard, it's pointless. Which is really unfair, I think, to penis havers all over the world. There's a lot of sensation that you can have with penises. So so let's assume somebody has a penis and here's you talking about the pleasure potential of that. And here's me talking about the pleasure potential if you have a vulva. I mean, what is the next step? How do you go from wanting to try strap-on play to actually trying it? What are the tools that you should get? Are there strap-on kits? Should you buy the harness and dildo separately? Tell me about that process. If your idea is I really want some sexy leather thing or I want some femme thing or I want some underwear that makes the harness kind of disappear into my clothing, you can start with that and then get the dildo second and make sure it fits in the harness. If your idea is that I really want this very realistic dildo or this, you know, crazy colorful explosion of fun or whatever it is for the dildo, then you can start with that and then get a harness that accommodates it. So a lot of it depends on whether or not what's your main motivation. But if you are like completely unsure, you don't know what kind of dildo you want, you don't know what kind of harness you want, kits can be a great place to start because they're going to give you usually a very affordable option or multiple options in one place. So you can just kind of a grab and go, it's not, not a real thing these days, but you can just, you know, make a one choice and then see where it goes. And then usually almost every kit is going to have an ability to add new toys to it so that if, you know, you mm. decide to go up a size or down a size, you can usually do that. There are some limitations. I really avoid, I would like to caution everyone to avoid the kind of classic strap on. It's a pair of rubber underpants with a rubber dildo attached because those are just a latex breeding ground and you don't have any versatility there. You don't see them very often in your 
more selective sex shops these days, but you can find them all over the place. And I think that those are just very limited in what they provide. And also there's no way to switch it up later if you decide you want a different size dildo or something like that. Listen, at this point in my life, I have had the pleasure of trying over 40 different harnesses. And hands down, the best overall harness, in my opinion, is the Spare Parts Jock. A machine washable, spandex, and polyester strap-on harness, the Jock is both one, the most comfortable, and two, the most adjustable strap-on style harness on the market. It comes in two sizes, size A, which fits hips up to 50 inches around, and size B, which fits hips up to 65 inches around, making it a great option for folks who want to be able to share their harness with different size partners. Personally, my favorite part of the harness is the fact that it has not one, but two pockets for bullet vibrators. At $115, the jock is admittedly a more expensive strap. Lucky for you, if you go to earlytobed.com, that's early, the number two, bed, Dot com and use the discount code bad in bed all lowercase you can get 10% off the jock and any of your other strap on sex needs so sarah you keep talking about different dildo sizes what are some questions folks should ask themselves to figure out what girth and length is the best size for their partner or for the person who will be on the receiving end. We do tend to have sometimes bigger eyes than our holes. And so I always recommend that we maybe get something a little smaller rather than a little bigger because a sex toy, an internal sex toy that's too small can usually be fun, but something that's too big is just uncomfortable and maybe ends up being a very expensive doorstop. And you're looking for a dildo and you're comfortable with a certain size when you're on your own, but you're going to be with a partner. You might find that you're able to accommodate more with a partner when you're turned on and things, you know, are more lubricated and stuff like that. So it's sort of hard to know, but there's a large variety of dildos that are kind of in the six to eight, one and a quarter to one and a half inch range. And that is sort of where I think most people fit. Now, That said, everybody's different and there's nothing wrong with needing something smaller or wanting something bigger. If you're going to be strapping it on, you probably want something longer rather than shorter because you're going to lose a little length when it's in your harness. Also, you don't have to shove the whole thing in if you want to be smooshed up against your lover while you're having sex of intercourse, then maybe something smaller that's not going to poke at anybody's insides in an uncomfortable way. But there, unfortunately, it's not a great formula or any sort of like electro body scanner that can tell you what the right size is, which would be, make our job so much better. But yeah, I think usually I would say six to seven inches, one quarter an inch to half an inch is what a lot of people are going to find fits them right. Yeah, I definitely hear you about some trial and error. The first like three dildos I had were pretty highly textured. They had like fake veins on them. And I didn't like that sensation at all. And I thought that that meant that I didn't like strap-on sex, but it actually just meant that I prefer smoother dildos. Oh, and there's smooth dildos. There's dildos that have ridges and bumps. There's dildos that have veins and texture. There's dildos that have pronounced heads. There's dildos that have no heads. There's dildos that have a smooth finish. There's dildos that have a satin finish. Like there's just like so many choices And you really, yeah, you don't know until you've had something inside of you what you're going to like. And I do, 
my, I always like to, you know, say to someone, if you're not sure, get an inexpensive option, you know, look for something that's affordable. And then if you don't love it, you haven't wasted all your money. And you're like, well, I spent a hundred dollars on that dildo and I hate it. So now I'm not going to use dildos anymore. Cause that would make me very sad. I get a lot of questions about strap on play in my Instagram DMS because I talk about strap on play so often. And so often folks come to me feeling really discouraged because they were so excited to try strap on sex And then they tried it and it didn't feel as intuitive as maybe they hoped it would or it felt clumsy or they kept slipping out of their partner's hole or whatever it is. Do you have tips for helping people sort of climb that strap-on learning curve? It is hard because I think sometimes we think that sex is supposed to be this always suave. There's never any sort of silly moments. It's always going to be just sexy and passionate or powerful, whatever. And the truth is is that bodies do all kinds of crazy things, especially when you're having sex and stuff slips out all the time. Stuff goes in the wrong place. Um, And so you got to start with a sense of humor about it. And hopefully your partner is somebody who also has a sense of humor about it. But if you're buying a strap on and you, you're going to be using with a partner, I always recommend spending some time by yourself, putting it on, trying it on, tugging on it, making sure that everything fits at the right place, making sure you feel comfortable in it and confident in it. Um, you know, I know that for some people it's this like, oh, this is the right thing. I put this on and I'm like exactly how I should have been all along. And some people it's like, oh, this is weird. Okay, whatever. It's, you know, um, but it is an apparatus. It is a piece of equipment Some people, I think, start off with a a grandiose idea of what positions they're going to try as soon as they get a strap on. And I think it's better if you maybe start with something simple so that you can get used to using the equipment. So, you know, some missionary position, maybe some doggy style, and then you can kind of get more creative once you and your strap on become more of a coherent couple, so to speak. I always recommend folks do the dishes while wearing their strap on because I find that it just doing chores and it gets you a sense of how the dildo moves and how heavy it is and what kind of hip motions make it gyrate. So that's a, yeah, for sure. So Sarah, I actually heard that um, strap on sex is good for people who want to work their way up to anal penetration or just have anal penetration in general. Can you explain how um, a strap on would be beneficial for that? That's a great question. I think for a lot of people, maybe you want to enjoy anal penetration, but a human penis is not available or a human penis is, it's never going to really work for you. Not everyone can take a dick up their butt. Um, So I think strap-ons can do a great job of either getting you ready or being what you do. Um, there's a ton, like we were talking before about dildo sizes, there's a ton of different dildo sizes. And for people who are looking for anal penetration, uh, definitely you want to start thinner. Um, and you often want to start longer because your positions are going to be a little bit different. When you go to a sex toy store and you see butt toys, for the most part, butt toys are not going to be the right shape for, uh, putting in a strap on harness. So you probably want to go look at dildos and look for thin, dildos um, that have a base that will work in a harness. And that base too is also going to mean that it's safe to put in your butt with or without a harness. Because, you know, with anything that goes in your butt, you want to make sure you have something to stop it from getting lost. Uh, And there's definitely, again, there's toys, there's kits that come with like multiple size dildos. So it has like A and B. So you start with A and then you work your way up to Mm -hmm. B. Um, or you can create your own little 
kit of like, oh, I want this little narrow one and then I'm going to work my way up to this bigger one. Uh, so it kind of just depends on where you're starting right. and where I, your end game is. I think something that's pretty great that we haven't touched on yet, I don't believe, is uh, the power dynamics that can shift with using a strap on. Like, say, you're uh, somebody with a penis and somebody with a vulva puts a strap on and starts fucking you in the ass. Um, well, I think it's huge. I mean, like, you know, we talk to um, vulva owners a lot about being the receiving partner for anal sex with their partners who have penises in the sort of very traditional, what we would see in heterosexual cisgendered kind of relationships. And a lot of the times uh, the person who is on the receiving end, it's not their idea. It's the idea of the person who wants to be the driver. And I love to be like, well, what if you were to tell them, sure, you can engage in anal penetration that, but I get to go first and I get to make, I get to show you and then I'll show you how Mm -hmm. it feels in a good way. You know, you get to be the receiving end and then we can take turns. Um, I think that's, you know, that's my idea of equality is everyone gets a dick in their ass if they want it. Um, (laughs) But I think that it can be a huge turn on for everybody to, especially if you're in a relationship that has a pretty traditional you know, heteronormative action that's normally happening, even if you maybe don't have a penis and a vulva, but whatever it is, you have a pretty, you know, standard kind of sex play. And then to to flip it around can be super hot from a perspective of all of a sudden, the person who's usually on the receiving end of penetration gets to explore what it's like to penetrate their partner. That can be amazing. And somebody who maybe has never been penetrated and never thought about it or has always thought about it, and then they get to do it can also be a huge turn on for folks. And for some people it's a huge turn on and they try it. And then it's like, Oh yeah, that wasn't quite what I was hoping it would be. And for some people they're like, okay, I'll do it. I'm game. And then they're like, Oh crap. I've been missing out on this for my whole sex life. So it's one of those things that you, again, you never really know until you try mm-hmm. it. But I think being open-minded when it comes to sex in general, but especially if you want to put things in people's butts, I think you should be open to things going in your butt as well. Absolutely. Just for the sake of parody and for the sake of sensation. You know, butts feel good for most people. So well, lots of people, I don't know what the <laughs> statistics are. but right. Well, I mean, something that we say, like the gay community says often is you can only be a good top if you've learned how to bottom first. So it's just, you know, you, that way you just, you know how... S- how slow you have to take it and how cautious you have to be at the beginning. And then, you know, once things are relaxed, that's when you go to pound town. You know? <laughs> if you want to go to pound town, exactly. right, you take the train to pleasure city. Slowville. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not, I mean, not everybody's interested in bottoming or interested right. in tapping, but I think that giving it an experimental try so that you have an idea of what the other person is feeling, I think is always a great way to make you a better lover. Right. And something else too is uh, I read that, people get really turned on just by somebody orally, you know, flating the toy. Like that turns them on just the visual. And it's like people have to stop thinking that it's such like a sensation on the genitals necessarily. And visual stimulation is just as effective. Absolutely. Well, and even, you know, there's a question that we get over and over and over and over and over again is, you know, what's in it for the driver? Like what is the benefit of the person who is wearing the strap on? And of course there are lots of physical benefits and toys today, especially compared to toys like 20 years ago, there's a lot of them designed 
so that the person who's the driver is actually getting a lot of physical sensation. But for a lot of people, the, the, the beauty of strapping it on is what you're providing your partner with and being able to fuck your partner, whether or not your body gets physical, pleasurable sensation from it can sometimes be secondary to watching yourself fuck your partner or, you know, watching your partner's face while you provide them the sensation that they want. So there's, we, you know, our brains are a huge part of sex. And I think that it's good to remember that. um, And that not everything is about the stimulation on your genitals all the time. Another question that I get, and it's a little off topic, is from queer folks who are worried about introducing a strap-on to their dynamic, almost as if there's a fear that if you use the strap too often or somebody likes receiving it too much, that it in some ways like invalidates your queerness. Can I ask you maybe to speak on that? Like, is there such thing as liking strap-on sex too much? Okay, first of all, you might have to ask me to stop speaking about this because I feel really passionate about this idea that we sometimes confuse sexual activity to sexual identity or gender identity, that these things, mm-hmm. and this has been happening for forever, mm-hmm. obviously. I think it's something, you know, there's a history with strap-ons being used in what we would call like the lesbian or queer women community for centuries probably but there has been times when the idea of using a strap-on was considered very anti you know lesbian and I'm using that term with quotes because it's a much wider range of identities but whatever just for a shortcut um because it was a penis because it was part of the patriarchy because if you wanted to receive something in your vagina it meant you were missing what you really wanted was a penis from a person who was born with one and i think that that is tied up in so many layers of patriarchy and lack of you know sex education it just like there's you could pull this apart you could write a dissertation on this but the truth of the matter is is that your body enjoying a type of sensation is separate from your sexual identity and your gender identity. And anybody who has a vagina or a butt can enjoy having that part of their body penetrated and it can totally align with their sexual and gender identity. You know, there's a long history of self-identified straight men thinking that if they enjoy anal penetration, that must mean they're gay. You know, being queer has way more to do with who you find attractive, who you love, who you want to be with, not what shape thing you want in which hole, you know? And I think that that, I think that's such a, a large conversation about, you know, how new it still is to be queer and talking about it and how much some people don't, haven't grown up with that. Um, but it's funny because strap-ons to me, from my middle-aged perspective, have such a deep-rooted place in queer women culture that I, you know, I, I feel like I hear that so rarely or have heard that so rarely from folks in the, you know, early 2000s. And it's interesting that it's still coming up, whatever time it is now, 20 years later, because I would, th- I would think that, like, you know, we would have talked through this and realized that, you know, it's... It's wonderful. And for some people, putting on a uh, harness is a really 
powerful expression of their gender. It's a really powerful expression of their sexual identity. For some people, they never feel more like a gay woman than when they put on their sparkly pink harness, right? Um, And then for some people, it's just a tool to accomplish a hands-free something they want to do while they can use their hands for twisting and turning other parts of someone's body. I think it, there's this very wide range. I think if you, in you, as you said something about, um, can you like strap on sex too much? I think with any sex thing, if it interrupts your daily activities, if you can't go to work because you're doing too much strap on sex, if you're neglecting your health and your family, yes, that's too much. If that is the thing that you want to do when you're having sex all the time, find someone else who likes to do that as much as you do, if you can, and um, have that be how your sex is. I feel like, the, you know, not to get too far off the track, but like we, we talk about that with vibrators a lot too, that, well, what happens if I like my vibrator so much that I need it to have an orgasm? And my answer is always like, then get yourself a vibrator that you can have with you wherever you go. So you can have orgasms whenever you want. Tools that make our sex lives better are just that. They don't replace people. They don't define our gender. They don't define our our sexual orientation. They just make sex more fun. And I think that if all of us could talk about them in a way that sort of lightens that load, I think that we'd have fewer people who are concerned that what does it mean if I like this? It means you like that. Not to say that there aren't people who, you know, use a sex toy or use a strap-on or experience anal sex and it's been part of a larger shift in their identity in some way, because that can happen too. But I have never heard of somebody who I tried strap on sex and now I'm straight or I tried a finger in my ass and now I'm gay. Because if it were that easy, we'd be recruiting more often. (laughs) (laughs) I think that might be the perfect place to end on unless Bobby, do you have any other questions? Uh, No, that was the absolute perfect punctuation to this podcast. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Sarah, thank you so much for, for sharing all of your knowledge. Oh, my absolute pleasure. And then do you have any social media feeds that you want to plug? I know you're pretty active on the early to bed Instagram. I'm not, but I pay someone to be. Um, Yes. (laughs) Our Instagram early to bed. We're just really. Our Instagram early to bed is great and has a lot of great sex information as well as information on sex toys. Um, I have my own personal Instagram at Sarah to bed. Uh, where I post more snarky things about sex toys um, and things about myself. And then, of course, we have our website, earlydebate.com, where in addition to buying sex toys, we have sex information and lots of information about toys. We try to write about every sex toy that we sell so you have some of our personal feelings about it so you know that there's a real human who has um, judged this toy and can tell you more about it. So we try to just get as much information out there as as we possibly can. Amazing. We're so grateful. On next week's episode, it's just Gabby and I, and we're talking all about the wonderful world of sex toys. We'll discuss all the different types, body safe materials, how to properly clean and sterilize your playthings and share some of our faves. You won't want to miss it. And don't forget to follow Gabby and I on social media. You can follow Gabby on Instagram and Twitter at Gabrielle Cassell and myself at ByBobbyBox. 
You can also follow our incredible podcast producer, Vivian McCall, at Criminal Meme. That's Meme, M-E-M-E. 